It's hard to feel free when the world is crashing down around us and we're shut up in our homes practicing social distancing. But you don't have to feel trapped. You can write your way to freedom. Welcome to the Right Away Podcast. Hello, friends. It's Chris Kane, and this is way too early in the morning as I'm recording this. A little late on Wednesday, the 20th of May 2020. I had a bit of a migraine yesterday that kept me from recording my intro, so I'm getting this podcast out a little late with a very short intro because of that. Um, Last week was very difficult um, in the production aspect. I really didn't get much done. I got a few admin things that absolutely had to be done uh, because of deadlines, but I only wrote 196 words and Um, Amazon has locked up one of my books in the delays that we're all seeing right now. So that's been fun. But I really hope that you will enjoy this interview with Jeremy. I had an absolute blast talking to him. Welcome, Jeremy Flagg. I'd like to introduce Jeremy real quick. He is the author of the Children of Nostradamus dystopian science fiction series and Suburban Zombie High young adult humor horror series. Taking his love of pop culture and comic books, he focuses on fast-paced, action-packed novels with complex characters and contemporary themes. Jeremy spends most of his free time at his desk writing snarky books, and when he gets a moment away from writing, he watches too much Netflix and Hulu and reads too many comic books. Jeremy, a Maine native, resides in Clinton, Massachusetts, and can be found in local coffee shops pounding away at the keyboard, except now we're stuck in our houses, but that's okay. There's still a lot of coffee there. There's still plenty of coffee. Other than that, not much has changed lately. Maybe an extra bit of Netflix and Hulu. Oh, uh, Hulu is getting a workout right now. (laughs) So this is a bit different interview than my last three have been. Um, My last three guests have all kind of achieved the full-time writing life, but you are on the path right now, not necessarily to full-time writing, but to more of a free life in general. Um, So why don't you talk about where you're at right now? Um, So I've been publishing since 2006. And when I started, it was really just, I, I had a lot of angst about my day job at the time. And I decided, you know, I, I work as a high school teacher, and I couldn't kill the kids in my classroom. So I made them zombies in a book. And so I found a mildly constructive way to deal with this problem and when I published it it was really just I'm just going to publish it my mom wants to buy a copy no big deal and all of a sudden they started to sell and I realized strangers were buying my book and this was not ever part of the plan I just I enjoyed writing for the sake of writing and at that point I realized oh people are interested in some of the stuff I have to say. I mean, to some degree, I guess. And the the second book happened, and then the third book. And at this point, I was participating in NaNoWriMo, and it was just a good way to get out and meet other people and to be doing some sort of activity and really forcing myself uh, to write more. And ultimately, I wound up... Um, 
working with a publisher and getting the first two books in my superhero series published. And it was with a romance publisher and I, I don't write romance at all. And so they were looking to branch out into science fiction, but they kind of realized that that's not where their strengths were. So ultimately I became the entire division of science fiction. And so uh, last year I, um, got my rights back and I decided to republish my superhero series. Everything's under my name now. I can exert full crazy control over what I want to do. And that's been kind of my goal at the moment. And superhero fiction is a kind of a hard sell because our fan base are comic book readers. And just because people like comic books doesn't mean that they're going to like superhero novels just like comic book fans don't necessarily watch the movies or uh, the superhero movie fans don't read the comics. It's kind of a, a medium specific thing. So that's been a little bit of a struggle, but I'm um, expanding my world and my superhero is my superhero books now take place in a universe and the series I'm working on right now is actually more urban fantasy, but it ties into the superhero uh, theme overall. So right now I'm working on my third series and this is the second in my superhero universe. And the the ride's been kind of crazy at this point. It's been fun. It's been weird to think of myself as an author. Um, when people ask what you do, I, I kind of stop saying that I work in education and I tell people I write novels and it, people just kind of don't understand that you can make money writing novels. Um, so yeah, it's been a great ride so far. And now we're in that weird phase of what, what could the future hold? And the five-year plan has gone from five years to what could the rest of my life look like? Um, so that's where I'm kind of sitting right now is the transition from this part-time gig into looking at the potential for full-time status and what what would I have to change in my life to make that viable without you know resorting to eating ramen every night I'm a big guy ramen's just not going to cut it oh yeah I actually miss ramen I have to be gluten-free um and sometimes like just a cup of ramen would be lovely but yeah you can't live on that um you have a really clear vision of where you want to be in the near future, however, and I'm really interested in this. So tell me, tell me what your ideal near future looks like. So there's a long story to this and I'll, I'll abbreviate it, but for a while when I started writing, um, I was feeling really homesick. I come from a very small town in Northern Maine and it is unlike anything else I could possibly describe to people. And the, I, I always tell stories about where I grew up and I would try to explain to people how um, all freshmen in high school are required to take drug and alcohol awareness, sex ed, oh, and hunter safety. It's all one class. Um, and people would constantly look at me and say, are, are you serious? Well, so I wound up writing a book about it 
and it's all about growing up in this small town in Maine and what life is like and what it means to be a Mainer and how we're just a very weird breed of people. And while I was doing this, I started researching my family tree and I am not close to any of my grandparents except for my, my mother's mother. And her last name was Cowing. And so I wanted to learn more about her last name, which is uh, an estranged grandfather's name, last name. So as I was researching this, I found out that my ancestors are actually from Scotland. And I decided, you know, someday I'm going to go there. And you constantly say that someday I'm going to do this thing. And one day I went to the post office and I got my, my uh, passport application and I was like someday it's just gonna happen let's let's just do this and in the course of just a couple of weeks I planned an entire trip to the UK and I spent 10 days in London five days in Scotland I got to see the um the town of Luss which is where my clan resides I got to meet uh the Kowloon bagpipers which are uh a nationally recognized organization and I got to meet family like and people were so kind and so nice and it was just this amazing trip I went on, I went by myself I enjoyed every moment of it and I got to see this whole new world so I I kind of made the joke you know someday I'm going to move to Scotland I really want to be connected with my heritage I really like the people and it just became this kind of ongoing joke about oh i i'm now certain that i'm scottish i already wear kilts so it just now has a reason <laughs> and then i kind of put it out of my mind because you know that's an international trip and i've only ever been to canada a couple times and so fast forward to a year later i i i I get really annoyed because my day job won't let me go to the 20 books to 50k um, summit conference in Vegas. And I was like, man, my day job's really getting in the way of my life. And just by chance, I happened to hear on a podcast that they were doing something in Edinburgh, Scotland. And I said, okay, well, let's check this out. Well, come to find out it was in the summer. I can go. So right then and there, like with no knowledge of what was happening, I booked my rooms, I signed up and sent payment to Craig Martell, and Scotland, here we come. I went for two weeks and I got to uh, see both sides of the country and go into the countryside. And it was just kind of this confirmation that this is where I want to be. The pace of life is so much slower. It's very similar to what I grew up in Maine. And it confirmed a plan that I didn't know was a plan. And at this point, I decided this is where I need to be. This is the lifestyle I want. These are the people I want to be around. And farewell, America. I got places to go. Uh, so the most important question, do you now have a Clan Kowleen kilt? Oh, I absolutely did. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Chris was asking me earlier about 
uh, Texas and I drove all the way to Texas to buy a cowboy hat, which I wear when I am writing in the morning um, religiously while drinking my coffee. And I flew all the way to Scotland to buy a kilt. So <laughs> it, it just seems that I, I like to buy things from the source and it requires a, a lot of airplane travel. So what's so the next item on the I, list? Oh, that's a good call. I want hand-blown glass from the island off of Italy that all that they do is blown glass. So wow. I guess Italy is on the list now. Excellent. And I really want sushi from Japan. Oh, I feel you. I'm a, I'm a food traveler. Like I will travel to the most remote place to try like the one dish that they're famous for. And like that would just be happiness to me. I did grad school in Savannah and I used to go uh, to use the library to research my thesis. And it was really just an excuse to have biscuits and gravy. Nice. Southern at heart, whether you were born oh, and raised yeah. in the North or not. <laughs> All about the biscuits and gravy. So what are you doing right now to get to the dream? So there's a, there's a couple things that are happening. Um, and everything, it, it's taken me a while to understand that everything has to fuel back into a, a very specific mission. And for a while, it was kind of like, so I wrote a young adult zombie series. It was great fun. I enjoyed it. I, I market it. But it doesn't feed into my bigger series and the universe that I'm building. And what I learned was I have to look at every project I do as, will this advance my career? Will it bring in the money that I need? And will it give me the, the potential for either uh, a reach with fans, um, uh, open more doors as far as podcasts, for instance, or interviews or access to readers that I don't already have. And so right now, my, uh, my superhero series, that universe is where I kind of want to be for a while. I really, I'm a geek at heart. I have no problem staying in this universe for the long haul. But my first series was very action adventure. Think X-Men, think, you know, Avengers. And while it did well, it's kind of a hard sell because you're pitching it to comic book fans and comic book fans want comic books. So what I'm doing with the series that I'm working on right now is it's very classic urban fantasy. It's a young female urban setting. Um, she has psychic abilities, she's coming into her own, she's emerging as kind of power. Um, there's a little bit of romance, not enough to be romance, but uh, enough will she, won't she, that there's some intrigue there. Um, and my goal for this is in on Amazon in the superhero category, superhero authors cannot place in the top 100 it's too overrun with urban fantasy masquerading as superhero. So I am literally writing an urban fantasy book masquerading as a superhero novel or the other way around. 
So I'm writing out of my genre to place in my genre. And I know that doesn't sound logical, but after two years of watching the Amazon charts, it's the way to get in. And so I'm gonna use this as accessing a new reader base, a more urban fantasy base, and use it as a potential fuel into my superhero novels and vice versa now. So at the moment, it's banging away at the keyboard, making as many words happen to finish out the third book in this trilogy. Yeah, we, um, we've recently talked to a friend of ours who um, they're, they were writing a, a new cozy mystery series. Um, they had one series out. And this new one, um, they realized, uh, also slot in a, a new push called Paranormal Women's Fiction, which is um, paranormal stories featuring women of 40 plus. And they realized that the cozy mystery they were currently writing fit in the paranormal women's as well. So they kind of slotted it into both categories um, and they're doing really well. So the kind of the dual slot done well can be really effective. And uh, because this, this particular book, my uh, my action adventure book takes place in um, 2032. So it's very light sci-fi because it's still attainable sci-fi, except for the giant robots, but yeah. This one, however, takes place in the 40s during World War II. And so there was the discussion about, oh, is that urban fantasy or is this alt history? And after doing some research, when I was pitching the idea to my cover artist, I realized that there is a lot of potential for an alt history overlap. So it almost, in a way, though it's, uh, it has a lot of the urban fantasy tropes, it might even find a better home in alt history. So that was definitely um, a nice little surprise to see that it can firmly fit into this. Um, and after seeing the Mary Robinette Cowell. Go uh, well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Ghost Talkers cover. Ooh, that yes. thing is beautiful. Yeah, I'm a big Mary Robinette Kowal fan for sure. Um, and alt history is definitely my jam. Um, we were talking just before this, um, the, the whole situation that everybody's going through right now for listeners who are listening to this not in time, um, but in the future, uh, we're in the midst of the COVID um, 19 lockdown. Um, so we're all stuck at home. Um, and you have been utilizing that really heavily, as you said, as a test run for what it might look like in the future. So when everyone talks about going full time, there's this weird, um, and I, I hear everyone say that when they start, they think it's going to be like a full time job. It's eight hours, you're going to sit at a desk, you're going to type away or do whatever admin task, and then you go about your business. And the truth of the matter is writing does not work like that. You can't force a creative endeavor um, to go for unsustainable amounts of time. And some people, I'm certain that they could write for eight hours a day. Um, I have been known to once in a great while, but what I have found is Um, this has been a good trial run for what does a real writing schedule look like? What does getting up in the morning, checking my emails, making breakfast, as soon as breakfast is done, it's time to go to the office. And 
I stay here until I've done uh, between 1,500 to 2,000 words, which is actually on the low end. I think I want to start trying to bump that up to, into the 2,000 to 3,000 range, um, just because it'll help me reach a production schedule that is, uh, I guess, it's lightning years beyond what I'm used to, but I think that that would allow me to frequently be able to release a book every quarter, which I think is my personal sweet spot. Um, I can definitely write more, but I found rapid release in my genre didn't work particularly well. So I think knowing that I could do a book every three months and then create the system that allows that to happen, which includes you know your cover artist, your proofreaders, your editor, um, time to write, time to do all your uh, advertising, your promotions. It's not just sitting down at the keyboard and clacking away at the keyboard. Um, it's all that other stuff that comes with it. And that has been a little bit surprising. And I, I don't know why. It's the same stuff I do every day. But when I was like, oh, this is a chance to pretend I'm a, a full-time writer, I'm not writing a whole lot more. I'm just being more productive with the time I sit at my computer. So it's weird and it's not what I thought it would be, but I don't know why I thought it would be anything different, if that makes any sense. No, it, it does make total sense. And, and I really like the way that you're intending to like slowly bump your words up. I often refer to uh, building up your word muscles, the same as building up your physical muscles. Like you don't, most people don't come right out of the gate writing 5,000 words a day. Um, and if you don't use your word muscles frequently, like then they atrophy. So I've had a really hard year and I am super comfortable with 1,000 to 2,000 words a day. My goal is to get up like you to about 3,000 words a day, but I'm not pushing myself there straight out of the gate. That is, it takes, honestly, physical training to sit here healthily. And it takes mental uh, training of being in the words and being in the creativity and setting that pattern and that system up of these are my triggers. When I get to the computer, these things trigger my creative brain to engage. And when you look at like a traditional, uh, traditionally published author, um, Laurel K. Hamilton's a great example. I follow her on Facebook and she'll applaud herself for you know, a 500 word day. And that might be all she writes that day. And I think, how could you possibly, oh, that's because you release two books a year. Whereas indie authors could be releasing, you know, I've released, last year I released five, six books, four of them were written, three audio books, like, all those assets take time. And if your publisher is not doing them for you, it's your time. And I have a, a pretty good team that works with me, but at the same time, like I'm one person and that's where the day job uh, becomes problematic because I can do a little bit of writing while I'm at work or I can dictate in the car to and from work, but there's still umpteen million other tasks I need to be doing. And those I can't do while I'm at work or in the car. So it's not just about the writing at the keyboard and producing a book. Um, uh, one of the authors in my writing group only has one book out and he's been making bank on it. 
and it's because of all the admin stuff that he does to keep that book afloat. So it, there's this weird balance that I guess I thought would be different as a full-timer, but what do you know, it's not. Yeah, fair. Uh, one of the things I do love about indie publishing is that freedom to publish either one book or two books or tw one, like how many is Mallory Cooper publishing per, per year? You know, 20 some books per year. We have the freedom to set up whatever systems fit us and make it work that way versus being limited by a publisher to one book a year or so. And something I'm doing a little bit different, my first book in my superhero series is 80,000 words, then 90,000, then 105, and then 120. And it, those books had to be that thick because there were six point of view characters and you know it just requires that much space. Well, this series is in first person, there's one point of view. And so now I can drag those page counts down to 70,000, which is telling a much tighter cohesive story. And it still feels like I'm getting more story because there's only one point of view character. Whereas if I was traditionally published, they might say, well, you can't publish any faster. We don't have space on our, our list or your fans have been expecting you know, a book of this size, you need to keep up with that. I like the freedom of being able to say, hmm, this didn't work out quite the way I wanted to. Let me adjust something and see if this will be better this time around. Um, and so far, it, that, that freedom to take risks and not rely on a sure thing is definitely why I love indie publishing far more than I ever did when I was traditionally published. Yeah, you have that both point of view. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. And the plan with Jeremy is that we're going to follow back up once he's achieved the Scotland dream um, and kind of do a before and after comparison conversation, which I'm super excited about because I don't think it's going to take too long before you get there. A weird difficulty. Um, I it's weird to try and think that I'm trying to become an immigrant. It just, it's not part of my vernacular from where I grew up. And so uh, trying to move into another country is a lot more work than I thought. And I'm applying for university positions because my book sales currently um, to move into the UK and use your book sales, you have to prove that for two years you lived off nothing but your book sales. And unfortunately, I live in a very nice house with a very big mortgage, and I can't prove that I pay it with just book sales. So the goal is to go there, be a writer, be a professor, go around wearing tweed jackets in tartan as much as they'll let me, which is funny because Scottish people don't actually wear kilts, but eh, I'll do it anyways. <laughs> Excellent. Well, can you tell uh, our listeners where to find you? Um, the, probably the, the more interesting place to find me would be my website, which is childrenofnostradamus.com. Um, it's where I have a serial going. I'm building up the website uh, for someday. I, I want to get into RPG in my universe, so I'm prepping it. Or if you want to go just the more boring authorly stuff, it's just remyflag.com. 
and you have a podcast as well. Oh yeah, I so the podcast came around because I decided that because of this whole Amazon not reflecting our superhero novels really well, a whole bunch of superhero authors have created a kind of a justice league, if you will. And uh, we started a website called uh, superherofiction.com where you can find vetted superhero novels that are only superhero novels um, of various subgenres. And as part of this experiment, which is going quite well, I should say, um, my cohort Trish Heinrich and I have started a podcast called Geekorama, where, which is exactly what it sounds like. Excellent. And I will have notes for everything that Jeremy has mentioned in the show notes. So those will be really easy for you to find. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. It was great. Excellent. We'll talk to you later.